It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty. Nick Wiggins has gotten an early start to chasing that turkey for his Thanksgiving dinner. So we'll let him catch up with his turkeys and hopefully maybe he'll get some dressing along with that as well. So I called my man, John Porter, who sits in as the South Alabama PA announcer, the voice of the South Alabama Jaguar football team at Hancock Whitney Stadium. Also a Daphne High School Hall of Famer, newly inducted Hall of Famer. John, welcome to the final drive. Mr. Labonte, how you doing, sir? Man, I'm absolutely blessed by the best. And we had a chance to see South Alabama become bowl eligible on Saturday with a huge 28-0 win over Marshall and securing the first back-to-back bowl seasons in South Alabama history. It really wasn't the, the type of season that a lot of fans, as far as from a win standpoint, had imagined. But South Alabama, nonetheless, Still going to be eligible for a bowl, so we'll talk about that in today's show. We'll also talk to Rodney Orr from Tighter Insider. We'll also go and talk to John Rachetti as our normal on Monday. Zach Blackerby locked on Auburn with us, and Jeff Risden. I'm fascinated by the Detroit Lions because they are one of those Thanksgiving Day traditions to where we watch the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, win or lose, just so happens the Lions this year are eight and two. John, they are kicking it this year. But yes, one of those traditions on Turkey Day that you you you've got to say yes to. No, no matter no matter what situation they're in or how they're playing, you're still going to watch Detroit. So. Well, something everyone watched this weekend was the dismantling of the Auburn Tigers. They lose in upset fashion, and I would love to hear from everyone on this let it marinate Monday. That's we've had a couple of days now to let it marinate. Was this and is this the worst loss in Auburn football history? Because some people say the wrong way. Bo, you can think back to the Southern Miss loss. You can think back to the South Florida loss a few years ago. But was this the worst loss? Because for New Mexico State, their first ever win against a Southeastern Conference team. And when you get paid $1.7 million to come to play a game and then you walk away with the win too, that's the best $1.7 million New Mexico State has ever received. That is. That was icing on the cake for them to be able to walk in and go out with the win as well. But, man, the yeah, the, the, the money that you pay those those schools to come in, and you know, they know what their role is normally. You know, it's to come in, you give them a good showing, but you're going to walk out with the loss. That's typically what you think. And it's, that just, it's just not the case this year. Well, we, we did, and would love to hear from you in the app. You can download the free Sound of Mobile app. 
to any Android or Apple device that you have and let us know in the app. Or you can call us, 251-694-1055. My man Nathan running the, the glass for me today and doing a great job as always. But Travis Taylor says, it's not the worst Auburn loss, but it was close. So, Travis, in your eyes and your mind, hit me in the app and let me know what was or is the worst Auburn loss in the history of the program. 31 to 10. And if you're a gambling man, thank you, Travis. Travis says it is Southern Miss, he feels, is the worst loss in Auburn history. But for $1.7 million, New Mexico State's head coach, Jerry Kill, don't know if you had a chance to hear from him, but I know Nathan has that audio ready to go on New Mexico State's head coach and what it meant for him to receive $1.7 million to his program after they beat and defeat the Auburn Tigers. You know, we walked in and I probably shouldn't say it, but you know, life's short and I may not be here tomorrow. So I always said, I walked in, I said, hey, we just got 1.7 million to play Southeast Conference team. So how about that? 1.7 million and winning the game. And uh, so the kids, they're all fired up. They wonder when, when they're going to get it. <laughs> they want it to be all NIL money. <laughs> it should be all NIL money, John. Why not? I mean, but listen, what, what, what I got from that, you, something you talk about a lot in radio, let them hear you smile. Could, man, you saw there was a grin. You just heard the grin on his face. Just a disappointment as a whole for the Auburn Tigers. And then we heard from head coach, Hugh Freeze after the game on Saturday in his post-game conference about how it made him sick at the stomach. And we'll hear from his comments on Saturday, and then we'll hear from him today, 48 hours as well. Hugh Freeze after the loss in his press conference. About as uh, disappointing as I've ever been in coaching with, uh, with Saturday's effort. And it's uh, it was an embarrassment to, and it's just as uh, it can't happen like that. And um, it starts with me. I have to get our coaches and our players ready to play, and I obviously miss the mark tremendously. And it's uh, it's frustrating and sickening to watch. And I certainly get. I mean, Jerry Kill's crew did exactly what they needed to do to win the game, and and give them credit. And they're a really good football team, but uh, we did not respond in any way, and that is uh, very frustrating. And so uh, I'm ticked off. I hope they're ticked off. I haven't seen them yet, but um, we've uh, we've got to learn from that for sure. But very disappointing. Um, you know, one of the things I think is is uh, the greatest challenge we have probably now in in um, in these college football rooms, team rooms, staffings, is um, true connection. Uh, just to where, man, I, I'm really playing for you, and I'm really playing for the school and. Um, and when we have that true connection and relationship, you can really hold each other accountable. And um, that's something I, I've just, I've got to 
work on to, to for us to feel more connected um, for when you get hit in the face like you did uh, Saturday. And um, now we've quickly got to turn the page and, and put that behind us for sure because we all know what the Iron Bowl means to so many. And um, you can fix your feelings a, a, whole, a whole heck of a lot with a good performance in that game. And so we've got to have a balance. You can fix things with the win over Alabama for sure. Without question, I know that that would be the ultimate deodorant for this Auburn Tigers team that downright stunk on the football field on Saturday. There's no other way to put it. You can't sugarcoat it any other way. I know Auburn's season has been disappointing, disappointing as a whole, but you're bowl eligible, so that's the sunny side up of things. You're having a chance to grow. And the parallel and the mirror there, everyone always talked about it, and we talked about it on Talking Football with Scott and Tracy last week. People forget that Nick Saban did lose to Louisiana Monroe at home in his first season as the head coach at Alabama. And if this is the springboard of what's to come for Hugh Freeze, and little did everyone know that some six national championships later for Nick Saban at Alabama, that's the foundation, and that's what it was going to take. But we live in the moment, and the moment says that Auburn just didn't produce after being down 10-7 to against New Mexico State, came out flat in the third quarter and absolutely got whooped in the fourth quarter. That soundbite may be a tad longer than, you know, what we normally like to use, but it, it spoke exactly to the the temperature of the program right now. And, and yes, he need, he was talking about the, the relationships that need to be built on the team because you, they've got to buy into it as a program. You, 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 hear, you hear Nick Saban talk about the, the process all the time, but if you don't buy into it for yourselves and as a team, you're just not going to get very far. He talked about the true connection in today's press conference. There's no true connection. And Auburn fans and, and, and Travis, I, I, I got you right here in the app. I would agree, but the problem is Freeze has lost games like that in the past few years. Something has to be fixed. Well, Auburn felt that Hugh Freeze was the man and is the man and have given him the keys to Auburn's kingdom. And with the number of recruits that are going to be on campus and trying to flip the recruits that he's trying to, to flip, you definitely, anytime the name Brian Harson is mentioned, period, by Auburn fans, that becomes a problem. And it's a sore subject. But even Brian Harson chimed in about Auburn's loss. He did. He, he, he had a tweet, which a lot of people were saying, was it cryptic? Or were, I, no, I, I don't think it was. I think it was a direct shot over the bow. And he said, he said that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. <laughs> that, that's tough to hear coming from Coach Harson. Yes. It lets you know he's still paying attention mm -hmm. because he could have just kept the hush money, been quiet, and not said a word, not said anything. And he didn't name Auburn specifically. No. But in this instant, did he have to? No. Did he have to say anything? And deservedly so, is there enough talent on Auburn's roster this year to where it's not working as hard as it should? And it goes back to what – Travis says in the app, that's a reflection on the head coach. The head coach has to be accountable. And if there's no true connection, why is there no true connection? And what can you do to change that culture? 
What can you do to make things different in Auburn? What's going to be different moving forward? Because you can sign as many four- and five-star prospects as you want as true freshmen. But how many true freshmen in America step onto a SEC campus and are ready to produce right away? Very few. Very few, yeah. I, I think Alabama may only have three per year, maybe a couple on the offensive line and maybe one on the defensive line or, or defensive backfield. Caleb Downs is really the only one that steps out, sticks out for me because we've all talked about Caden Proctor's struggles on the offensive line at Alabama. It's because he's a true freshman. It's because he's young and hasn't gone through those battles. But with Auburn, are you embarrassed enough to say, as a head coach, one thing I love about Hugh Freeze, he's going to take accountability. He's not going to shy away from anything. He is very transparent with his responsibility as the head coach. But losing to this New Mexico State team at Liberty – and then turn it around. He let everyone know that upset alert was in full effect. And Coach Saban preached the same thing against UTC and Tennessee Chattanooga. Alabama didn't buy the rat poison. Went ahead and took care of business 66-10. to 10. You needed a statement win. You got a statement win from the Crimson Tide. But Auburn, on the other hand, Leading up to the Iron Bowl, having a chance to get that seventh win. You're already bowl eligible, but getting that seventh win and having a chance to have continued momentum and success going into the Iron Bowl, you, you didn't stub your toe. You broke all five of them. You broke all five of them in karate kick fashion for Auburn. And I, I think that you wanted to see that progression, and you had seen the progression offensively from Peyton Thorne because when you look at the box score and you start looking at the numbers for Auburn 148 passing yards one touchdown for Peyton Thorne 17 carries for 38 yards the the critical part is Jarquez Hunter where where was Jarquez Hunter within this running game and this is a New Mexico State team that's nine and three got its first ever win over a Southeastern Conference school and I think that's where it becomes tough because I love when the Iron Bowl means more I would have loved to have seen Auburn win that game and to have plenty of momentum going in against an Alabama team because it keeps Alabama razor focused it keeps Auburn razor focused didn't happen but because they didn't and we're talking about the size of this loss and you know what it actually means is is a win in the Iron Bowl enough to to bring that level back up? Is, is it enough to, to get them back to a feel-good way to close the season out? Because they're bowl eligible, so, so they're, they're going to have two more games. But is, it, is, is an Iron Bowl win enough to erase the New Mexico State loss? Absolutely. I think an Iron Bowl win would definitely erase the stink of the New Mexico State loss. Uh, because what it does, it gives you momentum. You're going to have top prospects from across the country on your campus, making their official visit. And once again, transfer portal is going to be wide open, continues to be wide open. And someone else in the app says, very bad and unexpected loss. But do you realize New Mexico State was ranked higher than Auburn in the polls? Absolutely they were. But again, does Vegas know what they're talking about? Vegas doesn't care about the polls. They're going to put it out there. Vegas doesn't like to lose money. And Auburn was a 
22, 23-point favorite going into this game. New Mexico State had never beaten a Southeastern Conference team. And, I'm, you know, the money is on Vegas all the time. That's why Vegas stays rich because they normally get the odds right. And when you bet against it, how many Auburn fans said, yes, we're going to lose to New Mexico State and the score is going to be 31 to 10? They're going to be 21 points better than us in Jordan-Hare. I, I just I, – no one saw this coming at all. And you can talk about the rat poison and the, 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 the letdown game or the trap game. Well, it, Auburn didn't fall into the trap. They, they didn't step into the trap. I mean, when you look at what happened with – it was cataclysmic. And it can go one of two ways. You can pick up your seventh win against Alabama – and have momentum going into a bowl game, or you can go ahead and get, continue to get mollywhopped in the Iron Bowl because I don't feel it's going to go one way or the other. It's either going to be really, really close or really, it's, really it's, it's going to be really, really bad. And at this point, this is this is where you test the mental toughness right of the team. You're going to have to respond to this loss, and the best way to do it is going to be on the field. Your next shot is going to be, uh, you know, an iron bolt. And like you said, this is going to be a big enough chance and a big enough opportunity to erase what you call the, the stink of that loss, you know. And so can they buy into this? Can they realize this is something that they can do? Because they've got to see it first. They've got to think they've got a chance to do this. Or else there, it, there's there's no chance there's no use in even stepping on the field. But I I I think this is something that they automatically get ready for. I it, mean it's it's just that thing. The energy and the excitement that Auburn brought into the Georgia game and jumping on Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country, ten to zero. That's exactly the same type of buzz, excitement, and energy regardless of this New Mexico State loss, because it is the Iron Bowl. This isn't a 4-6 and six Auburn team. This isn't a 4-7 and seven Auburn team. This is an Auburn team that still, like someone in the app says, the standard is not just the Iron Bowl. It is to compete for SEC championships. It is to compete for national championships. And I think that that is coming for Auburn, that they will work themselves into a position here in a couple of years. I just think this transition period, especially this loss right here, sets them back because Auburn had made so many steps in the positive direction these last four years, especially with Jarquez Hunter hitting over that 150, 200-yard rushing mark. And then when you look at these stats, and he only has 27 yards that cannot happen because if that happens in the iron bowl auburn will be smacked upside the head and take a huge loss this week and as we gear up for rivalry re week that's exactly what this is we have the ap poll that came out we'll talk about that college football playoff poll comes out tomorrow we're looking forward to that and on the other side of this break we'll hear more from hugh freeze and also nick saban as he's getting prepared for the Iron Bowl this week. You're listening to The Final Drive on a Let It Marinate Monday edition. Make sure you chime into the app. Give us a call, 251-694-1055. would love to hear from you and get your thoughts on Auburn's performance. Call us or hit us in the app and let us know what you think about the Auburn Tigers and their chances in the Iron Bowl this week. We'll be right back. Hey, 
Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with John Porter sitting in for Triple G, Nick Wiggins, and hope everybody has started on their shopping for Thanksgiving holidays. I know it's my favorite holiday of the year, and we'll be hearing from you all in the app and you giving us a call. What is your favorite Thanksgiving meal or one that you love to, to prepare and fix and take to someone else's house as well and you know we love to talk to Rodney Orr founder of Titer Insider and Alabama coming off a huge 66 to 10 win over Chattanooga and the mocks and I think when the headline or the biggest story is a quarterback that rushes for a 70 six-yard touchdown run or whatever it was and fumbles the football before crossing the goal line. If that's the headline that we're talking about in coming out of that game with the mocks, I think that's one we definitely can live with. Rodney, welcome to the final drive. I appreciate it, Corey. You're being, uh, you're being a little generous to tie there about calling it a fumble. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, technically, yeah, but you know, Ty made a really poor decision there on that. That was a that was a tremendous run. It's a great run, you know. But you know how these uh, you know, some of these kids are nowadays. They for some reason they like to toss the ball as they're going across the goal line. And you know how many times do we see it, Corey, where they toss it a little bit too early? You know, and they cost their team a touchdown. He was actually fortunate that Alabama retained possession on that play and, uh, you know, scored on the next play. But I think it's certainly something that Ty Simpson's going to learn from. Yeah, Nick Saban said that as much. It's something that really all his entire team and squad can learn from. And, and what we learned is the fact that Nick wanted, Coach Saban wanted this game to be won in dominant fashion. He wanted to send the message because you look no further than a couple hours later when Auburn loses 31-10 to 10 about those letdown games or trap games, however you would like to title them. Coach Saban knew that the team needed to be focused. They needed to send a message not only to his own squad, not only to Auburn, but to the college football committee that this Alabama team is the real deal and they deserve to move up in the polls. Yeah, and I don't, you know, that probably won't happen this week, obviously. Um, but, you know, they've got a couple of big games coming up. I mean, uh, you know, this is a rivalry game, so it's, it's obviously extremely important as it sets up the rest of the opportunities that they have. The next week against Georgia, so uh, you know the, they're obviously the Corey. The, the focus is going to be clearly 100% on Auburn. You know this this week, and I think probably what happened at Auburn, you know, last week is something that you know Nick Saban can point to and say, look, you know, we got to be focused. This is a rivalry game. Uh, you know, Auburn had made some improvement. They didn't play as well in this last game, but. You know, it's going to be a real challenge, and I think that's the one thing he wants to do is make sure that his team is focused going into this game, not thinking ahead to the next week. Rodney, looking ahead to <clears throat> looking ahead to, to 
to this week and the rivalry re- week that it is. Yeah, that is that's hard to say sometimes. You when you've got the the like the Ohio States and the Michigans when you've got these guys that are going to play each other that will slowly start to affect the the top of the list there. When you start to get a few more one-loss teams in there, once they have to go in, you know, behind the closed doors again and 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 look to rank these guys for you know, especially for the playoffs that. Once they get more one-loss teams, will Bama start to finally then earn a little bit more, little more weight, garner a little more uh, prestige? Uh, I guess to say from the program itself, and then when you get you know more more one-loss teams to when you can look the full body of work that they've done, then being in the SEC, then looking at their tough schedule that they had, will we finally then be able to see a little movement and a little bit more? You don't want to say respect because they get the respect, but there there is no room to move up right now with nobody losing games. But once we get to that point, and you got a few more one loss teams, do you finally see them beginning to to make the move? Well, I mean, you know, you, you you'd think it's uh, if, if that happens. I mean, there's nothing. Obviously, there's a couple of these teams, you know, Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, one of those teams are going to get, uh, you know, have a loss. Uh, Oregon and Washington are going to play again. You know, Oregon already has a loss, but now Oregon has to play Oregon State this weekend, and Washington plays Washington State. So, I mean, you never can tell what might happen there. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, in Texas, for that matter, plays Texas Tech, then they, they're going to be in the Big 12 championship game. Um, I mean, just, just there's still opportunities for teams in front of them to lose. And then, I, but I do think this, too, um, I, I do think if if Georgia's going to beat Georgia Tech, so that's not going to be something that's going to be an issue. But I think you know, if, if Alabama goes in to the SEC championship game, and, you know, you don't want to assume anything, but, you know, if they go into that SEC championship game with, with only one loss and they beat the number one team that's got, a, what, a 29-game winning streak, I guess it would be yeah. at that time, and uh, two-time defending national champions. If you did that, and you're 12 and one, you're the SEC champion. That's going to mean something. I mean, it, 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 is it going to be enough to jump into the top four? To, if, if maybe you don't have some other teams that you know fall, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's probably is a way that uh, Alabama could get left out if if they won the SEC title. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's likely they would. I'm saying there's a possibility. You know, you never know if it came down to a debate between Alabama and Texas. I get that Alabama people, and probably rightfully so, feel that Alabama's been playing better than Texas has the last three or four weeks. But that one loss, um, yeah, yeah, and who it, come, who it comes to. to Texas, so. I mean, that's a legitimate I True. mean, you know, yeah, you'd like to see Bama win the argument, but at the same time, you, you do understand that that is a legitimate argument. They came to Tuscaloosa. They beat you. It was the second week of the season, and they beat you by double digits, 10 points. And uh, so you, you just never know. And, and, again, I'm not predicting one way or the other. It just has to play out and look at the scenario when it happens. Because you do know if, if Alabama were to beat Georgia, uh, the, watching it, I mean, actually watching it and seeing it happen and, you know, the way it go, might go down, well, it, it could certainly sway people a lot more than just talking about it. No question about it. Rodney Orr, founder of Tider Insider, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And 
You look at the career of Will Riker deciding to come back for his senior season instead of testing the waters of the NFL and entering the NFL and here now being maybe eight or nine points away from being the NCAA's all-time leading scorer and still having a chance to win that Lou Groza Award for the nation's best kicker. I think the trophy shelf is full at Alabama having won won all the hardware possible, Will Reichert can continue to make history as an Alabama kicker. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, he's he's been pretty incredible. What does he need? I think, is it 10 points, 11 points? I think, to yeah, time? I think 11, yeah. to, 11 to, to take the lead, yeah. Yeah, 11 to take the lead, okay. So, uh, yeah, what a career he's had. And, uh, you know, the one good thing, too, I'll say, is that you know he had missed his last two kicks against LSU, and uh, of course you know everyone kind of gets uh, fearful that maybe he goes into a slump. You know it's, it's happened before with kickers, uh, but you know he comes back on Saturday against Chattanooga, and he just nailed that 50 yarder, and you know it had plenty of room to spare. So you know hopefully uh, as you start to head into these two games, his confidence is is way up and. You know, he can because he may be a, a major factor in these games. Absolutely. He's a, a major weapon and was definitely a major weapon the last time Alabama had to play at Jordan Harris Stadium. And Rodney, I know you've been covering this Alabama Auburn robbery for so long, and you do look at the first ever overtime game in the history of the Iron Bowl being played a couple of years ago at Jordan Harris Stadium. I, I know that that's something that Alabama is not preparing for this week. They're hoping they don't have an overtime game. But I know that Alabama has just continued to get better but behind Jalen Milrow, who continues to, to set records each and every week, whether it was at LSU or Kentucky. But the improvement that Alabama has seen from the quarterback and the offensive line position has been spectacular. Well, you know, again, I, I think that when you look at Milrow, I, I'm not really sure I've seen a quarterback make have that kind of growth spurt in the middle of the season like he's had over the last three or four weeks. It's been pretty phenomenal watching it, you know. You could kind of see it starting to come to fruition, I, maybe sooner, but I really sensed it in the Texas A&M game because if you remember – you know, in that second half, he just lit it up. I mean, he had some big throws early in the game, some deep balls. But, you know, they went to that short, quick passing game, got him in a rhythm. And once he got into a rhythm, you could see his confidence starting to build. And I think since then, he's he's done some things in terms of reading the defenses and, you know, making good choices and decisions on where to throw the ball, not putting it in harm's way. Uh, you know, and he's made some really good, accurate throws and confident throws. And that's the thing. You know, it's just seeing his confidence right now. It just seems to be growing. And then you saw in the LSU game, once he really incorporated his legs, that just kind of added a, another dimension. And we didn't see it as much. You know, it's a Chattanooga game. He didn't need to do that. He had been kind of injured in that Kentucky game when he took the hit on the thigh. So you, you didn't really need him to – you know, risk that against Chattanooga. But uh, I'd imagine in these next two games, uh, they're going to need his legs uh, on, on a few uh, plays to, to make some things happen. You love to see the explosiveness of one Jermaine Burton catching the football. And I know he was out against Kentucky, but 
the way that the football is being distributed as well. Has there been any update on Ja'Cory Brooks? Because I know he's been more of a, a special teams player this year instead of a, a go-to wide receiver because the last time we saw him really being a factor was in that Iron Bowl a couple of years ago when Bryce Young was throwing the touchdown pass to him and going to him on some key drives and in some key situations. But any update on Ja'Cory Brooks? Really haven't heard, you know, any more from Jacory. You know, I know back in the summer he was, he was limited. Uh, you know, back in the summer, and you know, I was hearing things that that it wasn't the best summer for him in terms of the preparation for camp, and you know, kind of carried over into camp. And I'm not really sure if he's got a nagging injury or exactly what it is that uh, you know slowed him down to you know to where he is right now, but. Uh, you know, he really just hasn't been in the mix, and and I, I don't know if that's there's an expectation for him at some point before this season's over to 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 get back in it. But uh, you know, fortunately, they've had a lot of guys really step up. You mentioned Jermaine Burton. You know, Kobe Prentice has had some moments. Isaiah Bond has had some really big moments. Um, Jalen Hill, the true freshman, has had some. Um, you know, Kendrick Law has really come into play over the last two or three weeks. Uh, and, and hopefully he'll get more touches, you know, coming up because he's a really dynamic player with the ball in his hands. So, uh, you know, they've had a really good core that have, that have stepped up over the last, you know, four or five weeks. Yeah, I agree with you, Rodney Orr, our guest this afternoon on the final drive as we are in rivalry week, Iron Bowl week, especially here across the state of Alabama. Where you'll see more house flags and car flags out than you will of the entire season. And Rodney, you, you've seen Alabama going into the Iron Bowl with the losing record before. You've seen Auburn coming to the Iron Bowl with the losing record. You've seen both of them come in undefeated before, but with Auburn coming off of that stinging loss to New Mexico State, do you think that that's a good omen for the Crimson Tide? Because me personally, I would have rather Auburn seen them have won that game and have momentum going into the Iron Bowl and it mean a bit more. Or is this an Auburn team that you just think is is going to lick its wounds and, and reassess itself and, and worry about their bowl game instead of taking this win against Alabama? No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, after especially what happened, I mean, I think it makes it, this game even more important for them, for Auburn. I mean, it was, you know, frankly, you know that they're embarrassed uh, with the with the performance they had and, you know, losing the game the way they did to New Mexico State by three touchdowns. Uh, I don't think anyone could have predicted that. Uh, you know, so, no, I think they're coming out. I think they'll be highly motivated. Uh, I think they were going to be highly motivated anyway. Uh, but... Uh, I think they'll they may even be more uh motivated after what you know what happened um you know the the question to me though is is why did it happen mm. uh because they had been playing well uh, or better but uh, again I understand the competition they were playing three of the lesser teams maybe the weakest teams in the in the SEC but to go on the road the way they did and just kind of obliterate Arkansas and again I know Arkansas is a really struggling team but you know, our, uh, Auburn made them look like a struggling team. I mean, they really went in there and played well and thought they were gaining a lot of confidence, Auburn. And then all of a sudden, that happened. So why did it happen? And why did they look so, I would say, they looked like they weren't really engaged in the game, the players. And that's just me reading, you know, their body language, the way they performed. 
But my question is, you know, did they spend a lot of the week preparing for Alabama, you know, uh, rather than New Mexico State? I'm not saying they did. I'm just – it's just something that you speculate because, you know, it's just such a uh, surprising performance. Absolutely. And once again, Rodney Orr, our guest this afternoon, founder of Tighter Insider, so much wealth, so much knowledge of everything – Crimson Tide and Rodney, the predictions are there that Alabama is going to be favored in this game, of course. But I want to get your prediction for Thanksgiving as want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? What are you looking forward to eating the most on Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I like it all. How about that? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, uh, I, really, it's difficult to, to you know, pick one one thing, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I like it all too much, Corey. How about that? There, hey, great answer right there. Is I know you'll be going back for seconds and thirds, just like I will be for sure. And there's nothing wrong with heating those leftovers up on Friday evening as well as we prepare for Saturday's Iron Bowl. Alabama and Auburn at it once again. And, Rodney, if people want to follow all of your tremendous coverage for the Tider Insider, how can they do so? Well, it's TiderInsider.com. It's only $48 a year. And you can get instant access with your credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. And that gives you all the premium information, but also our all-sports forum, which is our community of Alabama fans. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of action on that on our uh, message board amongst our members there. It's, it's a lot of exchange, a lot of information. Uh, you know, anything that happens, it, it, it appears there on TiderInsider.com almost instantaneously. Rodney, can't thank you enough. Hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Have a happy Thanksgiving and look forward to catching you at on the plains at Jordan Harris Stadium Saturday at 2.30. Well, Corey, I appreciate it and, and same to you guys. Rodney Orr doesn't get any better than that. Just so knowledgeable and down to earth. And if you have not, if you love the message boards and up-to-date information on Alabama athletics, that's the great way to go. Rodney Orr joining us this afternoon on the final drive. John Porter and I will be right back here on this Let It Marinate Monday edition on WNSP 105.5. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive. Hope everybody had a great weekend and are getting prepared to settle in for what's my favorite holiday, which is the Thanksgiving break. And Triple G's got an early start on trying to catch a turkey for his family as, you know, that's what happens when you have fatherly duties. You go out there and he's learning how to cook as well. So I've said it, pecan pie is my favorite thanksgiving dessert and john you know we had rodney Orr on and rodney says he likes it all there's not a particular one but it, it, besides that uh, i like a deep fried turkey as well I'm, I'm i'm a fried turkey i'm a smoked turkey guy i you know, my my grandmother used to make the turkey but i will tell you it was dry it was it okay it was dry but <laughs> so since then i've had a lot better turkeys however 
I have been bestowed the privilege of making the dressing, and it is her dressing. It has been handed down. My dad makes sure that I am bringing that to both Christmas and Thanksgiving. And if we don't have it, it ain't those holidays. It's it's, it's not right without it. So, a lot to be thankful for is again Thanksgiving coming, and, and it's rivalry week. Alabama, Auburn. You have Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon State, Oregon, and, and also the AP poll that came out yesterday. You see Florida State with the horrific injury. To me, that's the storyline of the week. Jordan Travis breaking his leg, and it was gruesome to watch as you and I were in the South Alabama game. You're like, Corey, this this game, this FSU-North Alabama game has been stopped, and it looks like they're bringing out an ambulance. And then when I got an opportunity on Twitter to see why, I was like, no, I can only see that once. Next thing I know, you were dropping the phone and you were just pushing it away like, no, nope, nope, I can't watch it again. And I, I'm one of those that, uh, like you, I've got to see it at least once. And I'm like, what are we talking about? You gave me the phone, that was it. One look, that's all I need to see. Yeah, it, it, it was that gruesome. And you, you wish this young man the best because he's gone through so much as the starting quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles, has them an uncharted territory. And, and kudos to FSU. North Alabama, and kudos to Brent Deerman. And you look at Brent Deerman and North Alabama going up 13-0 to zero on the Seminoles. And I, I was like, okay, I, I even though Travis goes down, I, I knew that Florida State had enough to where they weren't going to let North Alabama beat them. It was just, hey, why is this team even applying the ointment and sticking around? It's one of those sluggish starts that, that, that you have as a program. You, you, I mean, you get those games, and you come out, and then somebody finally shakes you awake and goes, handle your business, and, you know, they were off from that point on. But, and and they, they could have used that as a turning point, too. I mean, when it has those injuries like that, when they cart you off, man, you, you flip a switch in there, and you, you come together as a group, and there are miraculous things that can happen. Anytime you have – something dangling in the wrong direction nah. that just doesn't sit right with me and I get squeamish and like I said I, I wanted to see what the play was and once I saw it I knew that that Florida State was in a lot of trouble as a whole and and, and their program moving forward it will it wind up costing them an opportunity to play in the national championship college football playoffs do I think it will I, I think it's going to have some type of bearing on the, the significance of what goes on. But you do look at Florida State coming in at Rodemaker, comes in, he, he's 13 out of 23, 217 yards, plays very solid. He's a junior, and the Seminoles now are, are going to rely on him to try to keep just winning. And, and you look at Florida State and what's remaining for them, their rivalry game, Florida State at Florida, 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, it's one of those, you already know, Louisville, you're playing in the ACC championship game, but Florida State's literally fighting for their college football playoff lives. And they're going in, that they're getting the respect to. You see they're going in with a seven-point, you know, almost almost seven-point favorite already with their backup quarterback. So yeah, they, they, they know what they've got to do. They know they've got the talent. It's all in front of them. And, and you're looking at a Florida team coming off a 33-31 loss to Missouri. Now, Drinkwitz has done an outstanding job, and he's really, to me, a candidate for SEC Coach of the Year because no one expected Missouri to be sitting here with the record that they do have. But Missouri just continues to, to creep on up in the polls. I love watching Missouri because Chris Abrams drained 
who today selected his and accepted his invitation to the Reese's Senior Bowl. So Chris Abrams Drain. The Sound of Mobile presents for the win. The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Two of the final drive. It's a let it marinate Monday edition of the final drive. John Porter sitting in with me. He's a Daphne High School Hall of Famer. Not every day you sit next to a high school Hall of Famer. Of course, he's the PA voice of the South Alabama Jaguars football program every Saturday at Hancock Whitney Stadium. So I want to thank John for sitting in with me and always great to recognize our next guest, Willie Anderson joins us and Willie is in town tonight for the Palmer Williams Group 7th Annual Iron Bold Legends Gala at the Battle House Hotel. Starts at 6 o'clock p.m. Lasts until about 8.30. You'll have an opportunity. Walk-ups will be allowed tonight if you want to support this wonderful event tonight and get an opportunity to hear a future NFL Hall of Famer and Willie Anderson speak and see some other Iron Bowl legends as this is Iron Bowl week. Want to welcome Willie Anderson into the final drive. Willie, how's everything going, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm just beat up tired right now. Uh, <laughs> I was up at 5 a.m. this morning trying to get out of Atlanta. and I hope my boy Sherman knows how big of a deal it is to, to get me out of my city <laughs> to, to get back here, but I enjoy coming back home, and, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to um, tonight's event. One of the things that I love is you're a Viger grad. You're, you're, you you just know what it means for that blunt Viger robbery to kick off in football, but the support that you guys show for one another, that's, that's what I love. I mean, whether it's Damian Craig, whether it's yourself, whether it's Sherman, it doesn't matter. You know, Dr. Doom, the Hall of Famer, Robert Brazil, he supports a lot of functions that Sherman has. That's, that's what it's all about, the camaraderie with one another. Definitely, man. We we all grew up in the same area, man, and and, and um, Sherman tells the story all the time that he grew up wanting to go to uh, the Viger High School, and you know my entire family before me, um, just me and my, my my baby sister and I, we the only two that went to Viger. So my my entire family grew up in the Trinity Gardens area, and and all attended Blunt High School back when it was Central High School, and so the camaraderie is that because we all in the same neighborhood. Um, I always joke with Damien about him being from a different side of Pritchard that I'm from, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm kind of from Trinity Gardens area, which is Mobile, and, and also the Wilson area, which is Pritchard. So I have friends all over, and, and all, all my friends were on those state championship teams that that um, that Coach Harris had early on. Those are all my childhood friends I grew up with um, on those blunt teams. So, of course, we're going to be right there with Sherman and, and, and seeing, seeing the positive things that he's been doing um, in the community. We all got to get behind that, most definitely. Absolutely. Willie Anderson, we call him Stu Meat. If you know him well, if you hear Stu Meat when he's around, he knows that you know him if you call him Stu Meat for sure. And one of the most outstanding and athletic offensive linemen to come out of Viger High School in Auburn and playing for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens in an illustrious long NFL career. And Willie, we'll start with what we saw here 
Saturday by the Auburn Tigers. You played at Auburn from 93 to 95, a very special time for you. I don't know, if do you remember your overall record versus Alabama in the Iron Bowl? Oh, yeah, of course I do. We were two and one. We we, we got cheated out of uh, not <laughs> Sherman's senior year. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, we definitely two and one. Uh, we, we won both games. My freshman year at Auburn, 93, uh, won that game. Um, and my sophomore year, something crazy happened. And I think we, we lost on the last second play. Frank Sanders is back in the end zone, I think. And um, my junior year, we, we, we kind of beat him um, soundly. <laughs> Well, it's a situation to where I know that you probably weren't happy with the play of Auburn this past week, and I posed a question earlier, you know, was this one of the worst losses in Auburn football history? And you see the progression the last four weeks of the offensive line and Peyton Thorne and Jarquez Hunter getting better, and then all of a sudden you just take a tremendous leap back against New Mexico State is something that a lot of people were shocked by and didn't see coming. Yeah, I definitely think you got you had to put it up there with one of the biggest losses in the history of Auburn. Um, there's no excuse for it. I'm sure Coach Freeze and the players will all tell you that. They will tell you there's no excuse for the, the effort that was out there because they have been doing those two guys you mentioned earlier those, uh, and, and off of the line have been playing better the, the previous three games. Um, the effort was there. You know, um, the schemes looked very good. You could see the progression of the players getting better. Um, so to come out against, you know, uh, even though um, that ball club they played Saturday was a really good football team, um, there's still no excuse the way we got beat up front physically. You know what I mean? And, and that's kind of where the football in the SEC starts at. It starts at if you're a big guy, you know, I always make the joke about the positions that got lying on them, you know, um, um, linebacker, defensive line, offensive line. If those if those three positions that got lying on their name are not dominating the line of scrimmage and not dominating football in that division in that league that that conference, you're gonna lose football games. But for an out of conference opponent to come in, and I watched the game. I mean, I, I watched how New Mexico State their linemen, especially their inside guys, were you know they were they were moving guys around, and they were some pretty big physical football guys too. And you can see why they've won nine football games because those guys up front on both sides of the ball play what um, my coach Rex Ryan used to call knockback football. You know what I mean? Just playing the simple knock guys back. You know, if, if you're playing D-line, you're going to knock the offensive line back. If you're playing offensive line, you're going to disperse the line of scrimmage and push guys back to get guys open open, open holes to run through and use the QB time in the, in the passing game. And they did that, and unfortunately, we're at Auburn, we didn't. Willie Anderson, Stu Meat, our guest this afternoon here on the final drive as he's in town as the guest speaker for the Palmer Williams Group 7th Annual Iron Bowl Legends Gala tonight at the Battle House. And you can still purchase tickets for that event or have a walk up and purchase tickets there tonight to support Sherman Williams and his Palmer Williams Group. And Willie, it's been a tough week when you look at that Thursday night game for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals and the frustration that he showed and then come to find out he was going to be out for the rest of the season, not just for the game, and already a division that's really tough and up for grabs. 
Thursday night was tough. Our Saturday was tough. But the Bengals moving forward, man, I, I know that A.J. McCarron is on that roster right here from Mobile, Alabama. Hopefully he'll get a chance to show himself. But what are your thoughts now, the Bengals moving forward? You know, um, obviously with losing Joe Burrow, you know, we're one of the top QBs in the, in the NFL. You know, that's, that's a huge loss. He, he's, the, he's the whole spirit and heart of that football team because of his, his emotions, how good of a guy he is, then point blank, how good of a quarterback he is. But um, they're going to try to rally around their quarterback right now. Of course, like I said, A.J. is there. And, and the last time the Bengals played a playoff game with a non-starter was A.J. McCarron in 2015. Uh, he replaced Andy Dawes. So, um, knowing the Bengals, they, they, they've already come out and said that, um, um, they're going to rally behind this guy. And guy got to go out there and win games. Hell, everybody – People are now looking at Joshua Dobbs and what he's doing in Minnesota, coming off the street, winning football games. You know, <laughs> if the guy, if a guy who's been with the Bengals all off season and all during training camp, he has to come in and play. You know, at least respectable. I mean, I know people think the backup quarterback's supposed to be a big drop off, but no, you're the NFL too. So your job is to come in and that that once was a dream that you had to be an NFL starter once a time in your life, and and you worked your tail off to be that guy. So. He has the team around him. You know, the, the great thing about him, he has Jamar Chase and those guys that receivers. He has mixed in that running back. The offensive line has to come in and play a special next five, six weeks. That's got to be special. And I think the defense has to be get back to playing football the way they played during the 21 season the year they went to the Super Bowl. So if the guys around him pick their play up, now, now there's no Joe Burrow to pick everybody up. It's going to be on the rest of the guys now. It's your job now to pick this guy up as a quarterback and um, help push him through and win football games. So they should not, as professionals, you should not think, oh, what was me the season over with? And, and the Bengals, as I said, they're not doing that. So we're going to see, man. And um, first thing is going to be, you know, is, is the old, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers come come Sunday. You know, the the the, the big rivalry that the fans hate each other. Like that's that's probably the closest thing I can tell you guys in the NFL of uh, Alabama Auburn um, hate love fest. Um, that and Pittsburgh versus Baltimore may be more, maybe more dangerous. But you know, but the Pittsburgh versus the Bengals is, is a big rivalry. But the Pittsburgh versus the Baltimore Ravens rivalry is, is similar to the Iron Bowl rivalry because it's just pure, unadulterated hate <laughs> among both teams, organizations. Willie Anderson, our guest this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with John Porter joining me. And you mentioned the division, the AFC North. It is really, to me, the toughest division in the NFL this season. The Bengals at 5-5, five and five, the Steelers 6-4, and four, the Browns 7-3 and three without their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And now you look at Lamar Jackson losing his tight end that he's very comfortable with. And you did say Jake Browning. It, they're going to rally around him, whether it's him or A.J. McCarron. The Bengals still have a lot of firepower left. And you, you, you talked about the matchup that's upcoming this week for Cincinnati. I, I know that that's one that as a Bengals fan, you, you know that with the division game, with the Steelers losing like they did this week, the Bengals want to bounce back also. No doubt. If there was ever a must-win game this season, this is it for them. Um, um, Marvin Lewis used to say back in the days that these division games count as two losses. You know, what I mean, if you win it, it counts as two, it counts as two as two wins. And 
uh, the Bengals right now, I want to say they're 0-3, I think, in the division. Yep. They they can't afford to go down 0-4 or the season is pretty much over with. So I think if they can go win this game here and, and, and get some and get some some belief into Brown, get those guys behind him and believing, they do have the talent to go on and play football. But the guys around him, like I said, in years past, it's been Joe Burrow picking guys up. When, when, when things didn't go right, Joe Burrow could make things go right for you. But now I think the rest of the team has to do that now. Your lineman has to give this guy more time in the pocket to operate. Uh, your lineman got to give the running backs more room to run the football. Maybe Zach Taylor starts calling more runs now to, to take some of the pressure off the guy, run Joe Mixon, those guys. The defense now got to turn it, got to turn the ball over to him to, to give him extra opportunities to score. That always helps, helps out a, a new young quarterback to get turnover. If he doesn't turn the ball over himself, and his team, his defense get turnovers for him to get more possession. They usually help out um, your new young quarterback. Willie, you're only going to be as great as your offensive line. I don't care who you are, whether it's Patrick Mahomes tonight, Jalen Hurts tonight, whether it's Derek Carr, whether it is Joe Burrow. One of your young students that you've had an opportunity to teach and coach in your offensive line academy is Paris Johnson, and he's having a chance to get back into action with Kyler Murray now with the Cardinals. And I know that you're tremendously happy and pleased to see Paris and his performance so far and his development, even though the Cardinals don't have a lot of wins, they're just now getting back their franchise quarterback coming off a torn ACL. But talk to us about not only Paris, but some of the other young linemen that you're continuing to develop and your Willie Willie Anderson Lineman Academy. Yeah, along with um, Paris Johnson, Paris was the sixth pick of the Cardinals out of uh, Ohio State. Uh, I met him in Cincinnati. I knew his family's mom real well, and, and I've been knowing Paris. He was 15 years old. Also, Bradley Jones out of Atlanta, who's uh, played at Georgia last year. Georgia left tackle. He's out of starting right tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So having those two guys, that class right there of guys, their senior year, we had um, four or five All-Americans. They were the two that, that made it through the draft. They came out as juniors. They, they, were, they were both highly ranked. I think one and two, or maybe two and three tackles in the country coming out of high school, and their work ethic and their desire to, to, to continue to be great. It, it went on to college, and, and now they're starting out at both both as right tackles. They both left tackles in college. They're both right tackles now, respectively for, for their teams. But you know, I started I started my academy up not just with guys like those two guys. Those two guys are six foot six, six seven guys that everyone can't be that size. Like everybody, everyone can't be. Michael Dubo's size at, at Viagra. Mm-hmm. But, so I started the academy because I knew that was a, a need for development of offensive linemen. And um, I think I think offensive linemen is the toughest position to coach and learn as a player. It's probably the toughest to play besides you start talking about a one-on-one cornerback. And I think cornerback is the toughest mentally, mentally to play, toughest position in you know, order to play mentally. But I think physically – we're, we're going against guys, especially if you start getting to the college and the pro level. We're going against guys like Miles Garrett and, you know, uh, T.J. Watt. You know, these guys who, if we put a foot race amongst offensive linemen, those two guys, everyone in the country would bet that Miles Garrett would outrun every offensive lineman backwards <laughs> if he raced him in a race. But when we turn around and have to block him one-on-one, 
those same fans are expecting us to never get beat by a guy who's probably the most athletic guy on, our, on the team. So that's kind of the, the disadvantage of line the plan. At least with a cornerback, he's similar athletically to a receiver, where we're at a disadvantage athletic-wise. But, you know, to those guys we're facing. So what we have now have to have some attributes of, of footwork and technique and eye coordination, hand coordination, you know, uh, strength and power, short air equipment. It all, it all translates into being a great lineman. So I think those things are things that have to be taught with linemen and being athletic. Just because we're not as athletic as defensive linemen, we still have to be athletic guys because we have to be able to face guys who have movement, who have who can spin, who can have great get-off. These guys are running four fives and four seven forties now, those guys in the NFL. So having a lineman who's coordinated and athletically Athletic enough to, to stand in front of these guys is a, is a huge skill set, and which I say is the hardest skill set in all of football to learn. You know, when when moms and dads take their kids outside to play football, no one goes outside to play blocking. <laughs> you know, everybody goes outside to play catch, throw the ball, defend the pass, or rush the pass rusher. No one goes outside to play blocking. So. To get these young kids excited about blocking, the way I got excited about it as buyer is with Harold Clark and, and Coach Harold Clark and, and Coach Roger Dearman. Once they finally started to teach me football and teach me technique, I learned how to dominate. As a young kid, my freshman year, I'm playing on ESPN because Viger was defending national champs. So I'm playing on ESPN my freshman year, 14 years old, six foot five, two seventy five. One of the size 18 shoes, and a guy by the name of uh, Carl Montgomery, I'll never forget his name, at Murphy, wore me out on national TV on ESPN at last day. Like, he beat me so damn bad, Corey, that um, in the middle of the night, I got to the middle of the night, the undergard troops sleepwalking, trying to block that guy in my stance. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it just it tormented me for an entire year into my 10th grade year. It took Coach Clark stopping practice, stopping practice one day. To teach me, he, he was cussing me out, dog cussing me out, but he was teach, he was teaching me footwork technique, and I wanted to get the same stuff, um, getting your feet, getting your one two steps in the ground before you bring your hand. It's the same exact thing that I teach high school kids now. The same thing that turned me into uh, first team All State as a, as a sophomore and, and the first lineman to win State Player of the Year here in Alabama. I teach those same things to high school kids that I learned at the high school because. I was very fortunate, very, very fortunate to have great coaches in high school, great coaches in college, and great coaches in, in, in the NFL. So, that is, and usually that doesn't happen. There's guys in the NFL right now not getting great O-line coaching right now. And you, people don't believe that, but they are. So, whenever you can get good coaching and good skill coaching, it benefits the offensive line in position more than the position, I think. So, Willie, when you talk about your academy, that's why I, I like what you say that if you ask somebody off the street what's a what's an old lineman do they'll tell you they're just you know they push big guys around well and you want to change that culture and you you believe that they're that the the old linemen are the new skills position and and that that they should be treated as such and they need to be trained as such and so that's that's one of the reasons i assume why you why you started the academy it is you know um as you see on tv when when any other position the receivers or dbs whenever they emulate the offensive lineman doing a pass blocking it always, it always like they're doing punt blocking. Like, like guys don't respect what we do because they, they think it's so. It's really, it really is the most foreign position on the field. So, even with TV broadcasts, bro, like if you don't have linemen in the booth 
the, the TV ESPN these stations they, they don't follow the line of scrimmage until what a lineman gets beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when when Michael when Michael Parsons beats somebody, it goes to the lineman. But other than that, the TV the camera follows the ball. You know what I mean? Even to the point of these kids huddle film or huddle. It's hard for colleges, offensive line coaches, to evaluate huddle film because coaches shoot their film following the football. So, and sometimes it's so hard to see for it's so hard for college coaches to see film on these guys because the film is so far away and and the linemen just don't see it. So, it's one of the hardest positions to to evaluate on film. So you have so many times college coaches make guys come in for workouts and in these workouts. You're not going against anybody. They want to see if you're going to move properly, or or are you a, a short area quickness guy? Do, do you have some bend in your ankles? Are you stiff? Or are you just a weightlifter? Because some, cause some guys just think weightlifting only makes it awful. No, the lineman today in the last 25 years has to be able to move and defend against movement. So when people say, "Oh, the receivers are the skilled guys," yeah, they're a small skill. We're the big skills guys because this skill set we do. It's so abnormal the average person can't tell you what we do. Anybody can get on the field and, and demonstrate a pass rush, but ask the average person to demonstrate a pass set, a kick to a post pass set. They have no clue. <laughs> so so um, in teaching that, I love to make the position famous for kids to love it because I even hate in the little leagues when coaches say, yeah, he, that, that guy just plays on the line. When you hear somebody say on the line, they're degrading off the line mm. because they think, yeah, those those are guys, those are linemen. The real guys are the quarterbacks, and that makes kids not want to play it. So the more the more popularity, as the older you get, the kids know in high school you get scholarships, and in, in, in college you get a chance to go to the pros, and in the NFL you get paid. So, but kids don't see that sometimes. You know, I, I run into some of the kids saying, no. I'll never play off of the line. Well, I said the same thing. I told Harold Clark, I came to Viger to play defense and to be Bruce Smith and Reggie White. And I said, and I said in 1989, I said, the girls in the stands are not going to know who I am <laughs> if I'm just blocking. <laughs> my, my, my mom will have no freaking idea what I do if my name never gets called. So on offense, a lineman name never gets called unless they're saying, Holding seventy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said, yeah. I'm playing defense, and I almost cried the day he told me he was switching me over to offensive line. And he, he, he said, "Son, that, that, this is the only time he would mention the NFL to me ever." He said, "Son, by the time you get to the NFL, linemen are gonna make a million dollars a year." I said, "Yeah, right. You can't fool me with that BS. Like, <laughs> there's no way a lineman will ever make a million dollars a year." Well, now. That's that's not true. They make twenty twenty million dollars a year now. Love it. <laughs> so, love it. Willie Anderson joining us this afternoon. Willie got a couple of minutes left with you. Willie Anderson, aka Stew Meat, Viger High School's greatest offensive lineman that we've seen come through. You look at also his dominance at Auburn and his long, terrific NFL career. It's that time of year, Willie. It's my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. And people who haven't seen you in a long time probably wouldn't recognize Willie Anderson, how how lean and trim you've become. But, Willie, offensive linemen and defensive linemen love to eat. What's your favorite Thanksgiving meal? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm traditional, you know. I, I definitely love my turkey and, 
even though I'm trying to cut back on on, on pork now, I, I love eating a little bit um, some slices of ham now at at Thanksgiving and you know, macaroni macaroni cheese and, and dressing dressing is definitely one. And um, you know, down south we eat sweet potato pie. Yes, sir. Uh, up, up north in Cincinnati, my people up there they they eat pumpkin pie. Okay. And <laughs> once I introduced, once I showed them about sweet potato pies, they couldn't believe their taste buds. I said, yeah, man, I said, eat one of these pies, which would change your life. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm pretty cool with Thanksgiving. My, 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 my main goal is now is not to pig out to where I'm feeling miserable. <laughs> you know, at, at 48 years old now, I, I do have to be sensible now. Understood. Understood. And want to get your prediction. Do you have a score or a thought for the Iron Bowl? Man, I just hope we win, man. You know, all respect to Nick Saban and what he's built up. And, um, it's, it's unbelievable. I know sometimes my people get mad at me when I say that. I said, no, I, I envy what they're doing. And I I'm, I'm um, I look at it as a congratulations thing to those guys for building that program up to what it is. We at Auburn are trying to get that back at Auburn, you know, to where we're playing physical football. And I, I, think, I think Coach Freeze is a guy to do that. Um, just not going to be a tough game, but I think usually playing at home. I know last week was last week. It was a debacle last week. But usually playing at home, you know, no matter what the record is, Auburn plays really hard and tough football at home against Nick Saban at home. And I'm just hoping I'm just hoping this weekend is no different than years past because we've had, had some success when we've been down and they've been up, which has been a lot for them, <laughs> you know. So my, 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 my goal is my goal is for them to come in and play as hard as they can, man. I think if you play hard football and keep it close, things always happen magically in that game, that Iron Bowl, um, for teams like Auburn when, when Bama is a dominant team. Absolutely love it. Willie Anderson in town tonight for the Palmer Williams Group, 7th Annual Iron Bowl Legends Gala, the Battle House, starting at 6 o'clock p.m. You can walk up. If you don't have tickets already, you can go ahead. They are accepting walk-ups. You don't want to miss this event. It's a great It's a great event in which Sherman Williams and David Palmer are together as part of the Palmer Williams Group. They're raising money for the young kids to have an opportunity to participate in athletics and Willie can't thank you enough for taking time out of your afternoon to talk with us here on the final drive and look forward to seeing you later on tonight thank you guys and uh, War Eagle <laughs> I got you Willie Anderson aka Stu Meat joining us this afternoon on the final drive of let it marinate edition we'll be right back Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for having us tuned in to your radio or having us downloaded on that free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. want to thank future NFL Hall of Famer Willie Anderson, a.k.a. Stu Meat, for joining us just moments ago as he will be the guest speaker at the Palmer Williams Group 7th Annual Iron Bowl Legends Gala. 
tonight at the Battle House Hotel starting at 6 o'clock p.m. So you don't want to miss that opportunity. You can walk up and purchase tickets if you would like, but there are going to be some Iron Bowl legends there along with Sherman Williams, David Palmer, Willie Anderson, as I mentioned, being the guest speaker. So thank you to Stu Mead for joining us this afternoon. And in the world of golf, of course, last week, Kelly Finley, was our news director who was present as we had the ribbon cutting for Top Golf, but the inaugural TCL virtual golf play has been delayed until 2025 by interesting reasons and a roof collapsing. And here to talk about that is my man John Rachetti. And this golf report brought to you by the Dan Hart LLC Engineered Products and Services. Shetty, man, what's going on? I know we've had bad weather at Mobile, but I know that for something to be delayed until 25, it must have been pretty serious there. Well, yeah. You know, I, I still can't get down to the nuts. Why? Like, I mean, I, I, apparently it's Tiger Woods' team. Apparently uh, that's, you know, the venue that Tiger was going to use and so forth. But I still don't understand how they can't get a replacement you know, something done, but I know they're supposed to start in January. That doesn't get but a month, but you would think they could come up with something else. I mean, it's virtual golf, set up some screens, blah, blah, blah. But I guess for whatever reason, they've just, you know, due to the uh, down in South Florida, their arena sort of said for the, for the golf that uh, they've decided to postpone the 2025. But I think we'll get some more information on this. Uh, here in the near future, exactly what, uh, you know, exactly why this was postponed for, you know, for a year. I just, for some reason, I would have thought, because it was building momentum. Uh, you know, they had some owners, some teams. Atlanta had a team. I think Boston, you know, they had some other teams, you know, other places in the country that had teams and so forth. And they had players signed up. And uh, But uh, for the, whatever, we're going to have to wait till 2025 anyway. And also some big-time news coming out of the PGA. McElroy resigns from the PGA Tour's policy board. I know that that's something that it, it kind of came as a shocker to some as Rory just says, okay, I'm just, you know, he's one of the biggest supporters uh, with this live versus PGA Tour golf. What's going on there with Rory and him stepping down? Ah, you know, I don't know. I just think he claims it was just taking too much time. He wanted to focus on, you know, winning majors and so forth. But uh, I, I personally think that he's gotten a lot of, you know, because he stepped up and made his comments, and, he, and his comments were well. Uh, everybody knew where he stood and so forth, and he was the voice. I just think, you know, and some people, you know, view that as a negative backlash in his brand and so forth. They call him a crybaby you know, stirring up the pot all the time and so forth, that maybe he just should have said, you know, just let me just play golf. Uh, but, yeah, I was shocked when I heard the news last week that he had resigned. And uh, I think, personally, I think it's I think it's a big blow to the policy board, you know. Uh, and at the end of the day, the show will go on, but I just think that uh, uh, it's, you know, the PGA Tour is, you know, I don't know. I just think that this live golf situation, they tried to fight it. They don't have money for all these elevated events to compete with the live golf. Twenty, You know, the sponsors, uh, these corporate sponsors are getting upset. You know, they got to pony up more money. They don't want to. I just think that 
I don't know. The game's in a good spot. We got a lot of youth and you want, you know, really good players. Uh, but I just don't know what the direction with the PGA Tour and Live Golf and the whole situation is. It's just somebody needs to wrap this all up, put a bow on it, and let's move forward on exactly what the situation's going to be, whether we got a new tour in 2025, whether Liz going to continue, is going to go away, whatever it is, let's just let's just go ahead and, and move forward because I just think it's uh, it's it's just not bowing too well. It's just not, and uh, hopefully – you know, just the, the dominoes keep falling. Rory, you know, and, and so forth. And now, and, and 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 TGL, right? It's another kind of off, different golf, right? You know, live golf's a little different. They got music playing, shotgun starts. This, you know, this TGL league was different too, and it's and now it's postponed. So I, I don't know, but uh, we'll just keep an eye on it. And you know, Tiger Woods is. I know you got much time, Corey, but Tiger Woods is uh, going to be back at the Hero World Challenge. Uh, he's going to play, make his uh, comeback, hasn't played since the Masters. And I understand that Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley have withdrawn. For whatever reason, I don't know. But all of a sudden, they don't want to play, and they're out. Uh, I don't know if it stems to the, you know where their stance is, but kind of ironic how both of those guys all of a sudden, Tiger's in, they pull up. So I don't know what's going on, but uh, you say the world of golf, somebody needs to get a – band-aid around it and let's fix it and move forward well i'll tell you what it, it, looking forward tonight to your show the miller light john Rashetti golf show where will you be coming from live tonight from shetty we're going to be at terry thompson chevrolet we're going to recap at uh, uh, you know ludwig arvick winning uh shooting 61 61 on the final event of 2024 Corey 122 on the weekend set of tied a tournament record of the PGA tournament record of 253 he shot. Here's a kid that was at Texas Tech six months ago, has played in the Ryder Cup, won on the European Tour, now has won on the PGA Tour. Uh, in a matter of six months, he was in classes at Texas Tech, and this is all coming down. So we'll recap that. And, uh, you know, Paul Azinger also, NBC Sports, has not renewed his contract. They're going to be looking for a new uh, analyst, uh, along, you know, to go along with Dan Hicks. So, uh, we'll see who that replacement's going to be. going to be pretty interesting to see who they replace uh, Paul Azinger with. So a lot going on in the world of golf. We were kind of quiet there for a few weeks, but now we're, we're, we got a lot of news to cover. Well, it's not quiet in, as this is the week of the Iron Bowl. I know that you're a college football fan. You follow the Crimson Tide. I want to get your prediction for the Alabama-Auburn Iron Bowl. Uh, I, I personally think that, uh, you know, listen, Auburn had a big win at Arkansas and they're starting to get, and I really like Hugh Freeze, not because he plays a lot of golf because he's a really good football coach. And I've had a chance to talk with Hugh Freeze a few times and I really like the guy and I think he's going to do a great job. I just think that the setback, I just think personally the setback, the loss of New Mexico state, is going to help the Crimson Tide, maybe hurt the Auburn team. Uh, I think talent will prevail. I think the Crimson Tide got more talent but, uh, than the Auburn Tigers, and I'm going to pick, uh, you know, a lot of weird things happen down at Jordan-Hare. But I just got a funny feeling that this year the Crimson Tide will come on top. John Rochetti as well. Thanksgiving on Thursday before we get to the Iron Bowl. I've been asking my guests this afternoon, what's your favorite Thanksgiving meal? 
favorite meal? It's yeah. Turkey in it. Doesn't everybody always have turkey? Yeah, it's got to be turkey. You I go with the turkey. turkey. Homemade, homemade mashed potatoes. Put a little gravy on the, on the, you know, on the turkey and the mashed potatoes, and go at it. It's always a great time. Well, I tell you, tonight you're going to have a great time. Immediately following the final drive, Miller Lights, John Rachetti's golf show coming up here on WNSP 105.5. Always great to catch up with you. Have a very happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be talking to you again next Monday. All right, guys. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And, uh, Corey, you take care. We'll talk to you next Monday, okay, my friend? You got it. John Rachetti joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. A Let It Marinate Monday edition. Corey LeBounty along with John Porter joining you this afternoon. Triple G, he is getting a head start on Thanksgiving and getting everything prepared and ready for his new family. And when you look at rivalry week, Alabama leading the Iron Bowl, 49 wins, 37 losses, one tie. And Alabama has won the last three. Will they make it number four this coming Saturday on CBS, which will be CBS's last Iron Bowl broadcast? Of course, the SEC switching over to ESPN slash ABC next year for divisionless football. And I know Auburn hosting Alabama for the first time in 1989 was a dream come true for many Auburn fans, not so much for Alabama fans, but it was a historic day in 1989 when the Auburn Tigers were able to take down the Crimson Tide. And it was a historic day last Saturday with Auburn taking a loss to New Mexico State. And you look at that loss, 31-10, to 10, and We'll be joined by Zach Blackerby, Locked on Auburn, coming up at 5 o'clock to talk about that game that's a little known here in the state of Alabama with a, a little bit of importance. And coming up at 5.30, we'll talk to Jeff Risden from the Lions Wire to get us started on that Thanksgiving tradition with the Detroit Lions playing on Thanksgiving Day. They're 8-2 and two off to their best start, Dan Campbell, a couple of years removed from coming down here and coaching in the Reese's Senior Bowl. But is this for Alabama and Auburn? Of course, we know Alabama loses and they're out of all college football national championship talks. So this is really, when you look at it, even though Auburn has gained bowl eligibility, this really could be truly their own SEC championship game. And it's played out that way several times where they've, they're they able to play the spoiler, and it, that's enough. That's enough for them to be able to knock Bama out of all contentions for anything and the high hopes that they usually have for the for the postseason. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's that way again, and, and they're, they're, looking to, they're looking to play the spoiler. And, and it's been 10 years, and I know CBS will continue to highlight this. ESPN, SEC Nation will be on the planes in Auburn. The kick six, it's been 10 years, and I know that – do you remember where you were and where you were watching the kick six? I know I was at the house getting ready to throw 
everything and anything possible at my television, whether that was covers, blankets, remote control, just not believing what I had witnessed with the kick six. I think by that time I had hid cell phones, remotes, anything like that, that I figured would break the TV because I've seen way too many videos of angry fans that, that take out their own living rooms and that, that, uh, that was very likely, and I couldn't I couldn't let that happen. So, the kick six is something again happened ten years ago, and, and you, you asked for that one second on the clock, which is what Nick Saban asked for. He was able to get that one second, and Chris Davis caught that ball in the back of the end zone, and the rest is historic history. When you have nothing but the big nasties on the field to try to to try to match speed, it was it was not gonna it was not gonna happen against Chris Davis. No, it it wasn't gonna happen, and it didn't happen, and that's what makes the Iron Bowl so great. And I, I still say that this is the greatest college football rivalry. A lot of people like to say Ohio State and Michigan, and it is gonna be the the stage is set here for Ohio State and Michigan to for the country really to be focused on it. People are going to see the Alabama-Auburn game just as one to see if Auburn is able to have a hiccup for Alabama and their chase for a national championship. But without question, everything that's going on with Coach Harbaugh, the Michigan program, and what was funny is with the sign-stealing incident, they were covering up their huddle with a banner so you couldn't see inside of their huddle just to kind of I, I don't know if it's poking fun at themselves or really that's what they truly wanted to do to cover up their huddle but this Ohio State Michigan game it, it means a lot it does when you when you flash back though to, to what you opened up with with the kick six a couple of reasons why Alabama fans are, are able to get over the kick six and to get over that particular game so easily right now since then I mean, what's happened? Three Heisman Trophy winners, three championships, seven SEC championships. So it, 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 there, there's, there's plenty of reason for them to finally to finally put that behind them, but it's, it's still there. It, it's always there. And speaking of the Iron Bowl and the rivalry and staying in college football, we were looking at the hot seat for college football. It's officially been named Sam Pittman will continue to remain Arkansas Razorbacks head coach. And I'm glad they gave Coach Pittman another year because he's one of my favorite SEC coaches. I like him. I like the job that he's doing so far. He's playing tough, hard-nosed football, which is what they were used to. And I like that they said, no, I, I like the direction the team's going. We're going we're gonna to stick with this for a while. In our number three, again, we have some great guest Zach Blackerby joining us locked on Auburn to talk and preview the Iron Bowl from an Auburn Tigers perspective. And we'll also get ready for the big Super Bowl rematch tonight on Monday Night Football as the Chiefs and the Eagles are playing one another. So I'm looking forward to that as probably will be the most watched game for the entire football season outside of the Super Bowl there in the NFL. So that matchup, we'll talk more about that as well. And we also will talk to Detroit Lions' Jeff Risden from the Lions Wire will be joining us. So you don't want to miss that. Our number three of the final drive, Corey Labounty, along with John Porter, the voice of the football team for the South Alabama Jaguars at Hancock Whitney Stadium joining you on this Let It Marinate Monday edition of The Final Drive.
The Sound of Mobile presents for the win. The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious! Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable! Welcome to hour number three of a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the final drive and boy oh boy was there plenty to marinate on from a college football standpoint a high school football standpoint and an nfl standpoint this weekend and if you're an auburn tiger fan you're marinating here over this loss against new mexico state you're stewing you're not too happy and you're going probably your thanksgiving dinner is not going to taste as good as you would like it to taste that's for sure as again we want to thank everyone for having us locked in whether it's on your radio or the downloaded free sound of mobile app to any android or apple device that you may have triple g nick wiggins has gotten an early start on his thanksgiving vacation so my man john porter who is the voice of the south alabama jaguars football team at hancock whitney stadium is joining me this afternoon want to thank him for sitting in with me and Zach Blackerby always joins us on Monday to talk about Auburn football and Auburn athletics and Zach I know that this is probably one of the most shocking losses that you've seen the Auburn Tigers football program have it's the most shocking one I can remember. I mean, was, especially the way it went down, too. It's not like Auburn lost the close one. I mean, it was just total control by New Mexico State from start to finish. So, yeah, I think shocking's a, a nice way to put it, Corey. Yeah, and I know overall we, we've talked about the struggles offensively of Auburn, whether it's Peyton Thorne trying to find his way throwing the football or Jarquez Hunter the last four games really revved it up offensively from a rushing standpoint, but eight carries for 27 yards. That's just un-Auburn-like these last four games. And either you have one or the other to where Peyton Thorne is going to throw for over 200 and the rushing game's going to suffer. He may be the leading rusher. But the last four games have been a combination of both. Thorne throwing the ball well to multiple wide receivers and Hunter rushing for over 150, 200 yards. It's just... Not where you expected, and I know I didn't have that on my Vegas bingo card for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Auburn could have ran the ball on New Mexico State, but they didn't really get on the field enough to do that. New Mexico State did a great job of using pace to their advantage, or I guess lack of pace. They, you know, they waited till three or four seconds left on the play clock to run it, which is normal. They they do that in the the you know the TV broadcast made a big note of that they um, that they eat up time in between snaps so that's kind of the recipe of how you pull an upset right is you run the ball you have these long drives and then you know you force three and outs a few times I mean Auburn ran five plays in the first quarter and you can't beat anybody doing that so. Uh, props to New Mexico State for not only having a good game plan, but Corey, I mean, the way they came into the stadium, their demeanor, they, they came in to win a football game. You could tell as soon as they stepped foot on Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, 
and and just kind of the way they were jawing with uh, with Auburn players and the confidence. I mean, there's even pictures of their coach talking to Hugh Freeze, and you could tell how confident he was that came out. So, um, all in all, yeah, it was a great effort uh, by New Mexico State. Auburn, not so much. Two out of ten out of, on third down won't win you that many games. And if it does win you games, you had to have something go right in special teams, that's for sure. But if you – I'm wondering about the health of Rivaldo Fairweather, and I know that he's one of the, the key wide receivers. Have you heard anything today out of Hugh Freeze's press conference? And I know mentally Auburn was banged up, but physically how are they coming into this Iron Bowl? I think they're fine. Rivaldo talked to the media today. He was one of the players that Auburn made available, and um, he wasn't wearing a swing. He, he's good to go. So I think he was just banged up Saturday. I think it was just a precaution. Um, but, yeah, according to Rivaldo himself, at press availability earlier today, he'll be good to go on Saturday. Zach, uh, question, quick question for you. With <clears throat> with the loss to New Mexico State, it looks like the – the projected bowls are going to shift a little bit, of course, for for Auburn. And yeah. right now, it looks like there, there's a there's a lot of folks leaning towards them showing up in the Texas Bowl in Houston just after Christmas. From anybody to from Oklahoma State to Kansas State to Oklahoma. So, what 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 are your, what are your thoughts on that right now for the for the postseason for them? Yeah, I think most Auburn fans would take the Texas Bowl in a heartbeat. Of course, this is assuming they don't beat Alabama on Saturday, just because I don't think they want to go back to the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> I think that's really uh, – I think anywhere that's not the Birmingham Bowl, I think Auburn fans will be okay with. I think playing um, – Kansas State's the most common one I'm seeing. I don't know. I know you mentioned a few just then, but um, I think that'd be fun. The last time these two teams played was in 2014. It was a Thursday night game at Manhattan, and Tyler Lockett proved that he was going to be a very good NFL receiver that night. So um, I think that'd be a fun matchup. I, I would take that over anybody uh, in Birmingham. So I, I think most Auburn folks would take the Texas Bowl in a heartbeat at this point. Well, I know that Auburn's happy to have that extended growth, and what it does is give them an opportunity to to – to work on some extra recruiting to get those extra reps in. And I know Cam Coleman has been a huge focus for the Tigers program ever since he verbally committed to Texas A&M. Not sure if Cam was on campus this past week against New Mexico State, but if he wasn't, I can only assume that he'll be on campus for the Iron Bowl for sure. He, he was on campus for that game. Uh, I do assume that he'll be there this weekend as well, Corey. But, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'd be really surprised if Cam Coleman was not a part of Auburn's class. There's so much smoke going in that direction. Um, outlets, folks that cover, you know, media stuff for Texas A&M, for Florida State, for Auburn, and just the national recruiting scene, they're all putting crystal balls and predictions in for Cam Coleman to flip from Texas A&M to Auburn. So, at this point, at this point, I think it'd be a major upset if Auburn did not land Cam Coleman in this class. Yeah, I think that, you know, playmakers are what Hugh Freeze has been hitting at and needing. And for this current Auburn Tigers team, you're 6-5 and five in the Iron Bowl. I mean, the 10-year the anniversary of what was probably one of the most dramatic endings to a football game ever in college football is going to be celebrated. I know that with it being the 10-year anniversary on the Plains, I know CBS probably will spotlight it 
as well. Are you aware of any other big-time actions or events that are going to be going on to celebrate that 10th anniversary? No, I'm not. I'm not aware. But you know, you got to assume Chris Davis will be there. You got to assume they'll play the call and the video and Rod Bramlett's call um, on the Jumbotron and all that. So that'll be cool. That'll certainly be cool. You saw a similar thing earlier in the year with with the prayer with Jordan Hare, the miracle on Jordan Hare, whatever folks call it, uh, with the Ricardo's catch against Georgia. But um, I don't know. I mean, y'all you, you every every Iron Bowl since then they play that. So I'm sure they'll play it a few extra times since it's the 10-year anniversary, and I think most Auburn people will be okay with that. If you had to find the glass half full or half empty for Auburn going into the Iron Bowl, a lot of momentum was established with where the wins that they had. And if you had to find a positive coming out of the New Mexico State game, is it that Auburn should be up and ready for Alabama in the Iron Bowl, it is the Iron Bowl, or it, what? What is the upside for Auburn this week? Hmm. Um. <laughs> I guess you're going to have a focused Auburn team. I, I guess. I mean, surely they're embarrassed. I think. I think embarrassment's a good motivator, depending on the you know the personality of the individual, the personality of the group. So we'll see, you know, where their pride is as far as, you know, them preparing or, or, you know, if they were looking ahead, right, that, which is an argument that some people said they were caught looking ahead to Alabama. I don't know if I buy that, but if that's the argument, I think you can counter that with, okay, well, maybe they're more prepared for Alabama on Saturday. I don't know if I necessarily buy these things. Uh, I think I just pulled something reaching for something, uh, but but I hope that answered your question, Corey. Yeah. I don't know. You, you, I don't know. There, there's, not a, there's not a, like a – there's not a super positive way to spin what happened on Saturday. And there's a select few, you know, there's a select few folks in the Auburn fan base that are arguing on the internet right now about how like this game, like it stinks, it's inexcusable, but it's not like program killing. And I see where they're coming from, like big picture, but as far as this season and the guys that are in that locker room, like it stinks. Like this is a, they had a chance to be fighting for an eighth win on Saturday and go to a really cool bowl game. But that's not going to be the case, right? This is a team that's probably going to go 6-6, six and six, and I think this team is better than 6-6. Six and six, But it's not going to matter, right? It's not going to matter because they're probably going to lose on Saturday. So I don't know, man. I, I, I have a hard time spinning that positively at all, but I tried my best for you. Hey, that's okay, Zach. I mean, you're just keeping it real as an Auburn fan and someone who does cover Auburn for sure and that that's okay I mean if there's nothing positive that comes out of it nothing positive comes out of it you just today I was a little bit shocked and the transparency that Hugh Freeze has had all season long since he's taken the Auburn job about there not being a true connection there in the locker room and you know anytime you have Brian Harson firing subtle shots at you on Instagram or on social media, you're absolutely right that it's hard to find a positive because that's the last person that you want to hear from, and especially with the statement that Brian Harson made that didn't name Auburn by name, but everybody knew what he was referring to. Yeah, it would have been great if he actually worked hard when he was, you know, the head coach. But he wouldn't. Um, he never wanted to hit the recruiting trail. So. Um, what a joke. What an absolute joke. Um, 
I forgot where we were going with that. No, that's but, okay. Harson will do that I, to you. Yeah, He'll have you sidetracked. I don't know, man. I don't know. But yeah, the, 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 the whole angle of, like, Hugh Freeze's messaging, I mean, I don't know how you – I don't know how you – walk the line of him constantly saying our receivers aren't good enough and our roster isn't where it needs to be, and then you turn around and motivate these guys. That's a tough line. I don't know how you do that. And I don't think Hugh Freeze knew how to do it or what happened Saturday wouldn't have happened, right? So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because we all know when he's talking about the receivers running in slow motion, he's got a – I mean, he ha- he's kind of said that same thing in other ways – pretty consistently this season. And then when you turn around and talk about, like, hey, you guys can do it uh, in these team meeting rooms, do they believe them? Is that connection actually there? Um, It doesn't seem like it is. But I guess the positive spin, here's a positive spin. Like, what happened Saturday I don't think is relevant a week from now Mm -hmm. because Auburn then will be moving on to getting their roster ready for next season which I do think the roster next year will be better than the roster this year. I think Hugh Freeze is going to change some things up from a coordinator standpoint and run the stuff that he wants to run. And I think this team's going to get a lot younger. We'll see what they do in the portal. They could go out and get some older guys to even it out. But there's going to be a lot of freshmen that play in 2024 for Auburn, both at receiver, maybe at quarterback. You may see some guys on uh, on offensive and defensive line and a linebacker. There's a ton of talented guys coming in. Um, I mean, that's a positive, yeah. Struggles, you can kind of point to it and say, well, they're building for the future, or this guy's a freshman. He won't, he'll learn from this mistake or whatever. So I, I do think better seasons are coming for Auburn. It's just Saturday. That one's, that one's going to sting for a minute. You're absolutely right about the, the tough line, about being able, being able to walk back any comments that he made about specific you know, position yeah. groups, and then and then to turn around and try to be, get a cohesive bond between the you know the team and say, yeah, let's let's mm-hmm. stick together. We can do this. But we were talking earlier too about trying to find the positive, and we were saying one of those things is that you know they can play the ultimate spoiler again, as they've been set up before to be able to do this, to go into the Iron Bowl, hand Alabama a loss that just totally takes them out of everything postseason that they're looking to do right now. And that's, I mean, it's something that that they're able to hang their hat on at least if they do that. Yeah, yeah, and we had that discussion on Lockdown Auburn. Like, does a win over Alabama fix what happened last Saturday? And I think that may depend on which Auburn fan you ask. I think a lot of people would say yes, as long as you beat Alabama, it's a successful season until you get to the program where it needs to be. But there's no reason you should lose to a G5 team. There's just no reason for it. Um, because this is this is the first loss this year of the Hugh Freeze era where you, you can't blame it on talent. I'm fine with you doing that against A&M. Why were you doing that against LSU, against Georgia? Ole Miss, eh, okay, that's fine. Quarterback play, I think, was a big discrepancy there. But you can't do that against New Mexico State. And I'm seeing some people say that it was talent. I'm like, no, no, Auburn has more talent than New Mexico State. But they were the better team on Saturday. They won all these individual matchups in the trenches and ultimately won by three touchdowns. It's not like it was close. So, um yeah, I mean, they'll have the chance to play spoiler this Saturday. There's no question about it. Yeah, you said that the it depended on which Auburn fan you ask, and we did that. Or I asked Corey earlier if if a win in the Iron Bowl would be able to totally counteract the loss to New Mexico State. He he said yes. He said that's a that's a big enough goal. That's a that's a big enough get that once that happens it that helps. that you can that yeah. It, yeah it certainly helps in taking the step forward. Yeah, it helps, and then you couple that with 
you know, getting a Cam Coleman. There's a line. Uh, there's a, a lineman that they're going to get from Georgia somewhat soon. And you say, okay, we've got a top ten class if all this falls into place, and you beat Alabama. All right, you know, the sky's the limit at all. But I, I think that would be the narrative around it if that were to happen. So, yeah, it would certainly help. No question. Well, Auburn's in a, a unique position to where, again, they can make their season. Winning is the ultimate deodorant, and it can cover up a multitude of stinkiness. And, yes, that game did stink by the Auburn Tigers by all standards. Had Willie Anderson on the show earlier this evening talking about how this game was probably – if not the worst, one of the worst losses in the history of the program that he can occur, that he can remember, and him being 2-1 and one versus the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he feels that there's just something about the magic of Jordan-Hare Stadium that's going to give Auburn an opportunity to play spoiler against the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I look forward to, to seeing if that is the case, and Zach, any predictions there from a score standpoint for this Alabama-Auburn matchup? Uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go thirty-eight, thirty-eight, twenty-one, Alabama. Thirty-eight, twenty-one, Alabama, and that's right around where Alabama has been averaging. And Auburn, I know that they can go ahead. And the best thing for an Alabama fan to do is to make. Auburn fans sit on their hands because if you allow in the Iron Bowl to go up 10 to 0 the same way Georgia went down to Auburn in the first quarter and you allow that atmosphere, you just start arising those ghosts at Jordan Hare Stadium and magic has happened. But I do like the high scoring output that you are predicting for that over under from a final score standpoint and Zach you've just you've done tremendous coverage all season long it's hard to to think that hey just three and a half months ago we were at SEC media days preparing for the Hugh Freeze era at Auburn and got it kicked off to a great start and now we're getting ready to conclude it with the last regular season game in his first year at Jordan Harris Stadium I know there's a lot more magic to come out of Hugh Freeze and there's more stories and magic to come out daily that you have. So how can people follow your great coverage being locked on Auburn? Yeah, AuburnDaily.com is where all of our written work is. And you can check out Locked on Auburn uh, every single day on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you so much, Zach. Always thank you for your time. I hope you have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving and look forward to seeing you Saturday on the Plains. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you all soon. Zach Black will be locked on Auburn, joining us on this Let It Marinate Monday. Couldn't really find any rays of sunshine. Tried to get some hope out of Zach for this Auburn Tigers team, and he just wasn't feeling it. So we'll see what his mood is this time next week as we will have the Iron Bowl under our belts, and we'll know how the Crimson Tide, whether they're still chasing a national championship or not. A Let It Marinate Monday. Final drive edition here. Corey Labounty along with John Porter joining you. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile.
Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive. And again, we've talked college football and the upset of the Auburn Tigers. We've talked NFL matchups. We're also going to talk a little of what happened in high school football on Friday night as you look at the next round, third round matchups. Of course, Mary G. Montgomery, 12-0, having been ranked number three, knocking off Enterprise in a 10-0. They were trailing, came back, and scored 13 points in the last five and a half minutes to make school history. And they'll be on their way to the state semifinals at Central of Phoenix City, a team that beat them in the first round a year ago. So it's been a tremendous season. Mary Montgomery at Central of Phoenix City, Hewitt Trustful at Thompson. Hillcrest Tuscaloosa will get their rematch coming to play the Sarah Land Spartans. That game you'll be able to hear right here on WNSP 105.5. Also locally in Class 5A, Gulf Shores at Headland. And in Class 3A, Mobile Christian traveling to Trinity. In 2A, B.B. Comer at Clark County. And in Leroy at Brantley in 1A. So those are our local teams that we'll have remaining in high school football. We also have a caller on the line. Caller, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Hey, good afternoon, Corey. I, I thought I heard you say in that last segment with Mr. Blackerby that uh, they better not, Alabama better not fall behind 10 to nothing like Georgia did to Auburn or they'd be in big trouble. Uh, isn't that what happened the last time they visited the Plains? They fell behind 10 to nothing? Yeah, it wasn't. It, it led to a little bit of extra football there, Chuck, and you know, we don't want any extra football. It was a historic overtime game, and Alabama had to find a way to manufacture offense. So don't want it to be that historic this coming Saturday. Okay. Okay. Chuck, thanks for, for calling. Appreciate it. We'll, 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 again, we were talking about the high school football matchups and all the local teams that we still have remaining. And if you get a chance to get out and support high school football i encourage you to do so but had someone in the app saying why don't we talk about mgm well again i know for a fact pigskin pete spent a whole segment on talking about it i talked about it nick and i talked about it nick's a mgm graduate so of course we're going to talk about skull vikings and we want our local teams to do as well as possible and mgm is preparing for their matchup with Central of Phoenix City. And when we come back, we'll prepare for our matchup with our next guest, Jeff Risden. He is with the Lions Wire to talk about the Detroit Lions. We love Thanksgiving football. We'll talk about the winning Detroit Lions with him next here on the final drive. <laughs> Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive. Plenty to marinate on this Monday, whether it's from high school football, college football, NFL football, as we prepare for our Thursday Thanksgiving feast and Sunday night, the Lions were able to defeat the Bears 31-26, to and that moves them to 8-2 and on the season. And we want to welcome in making his debut here on the final drive 
on WNSP 105.5. Jeff Risden, managing editor for the Lions Wire and the Draft Wire. He does a Detroit Lions podcast as well. The Detroit Lions going into Thanksgiving, looking to celebrate unlike anything they've seen before, taking on the Green Bay Packers to get us started this Thanksgiving Thursday. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be on and, and talking about good Lions football for a change because we don't get to do that very often. No, it's definitely something that you don't get a chance to see and talk about often. And when you think about the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, you know that they're associated with Thanksgiving dinner and getting our day started. And I know with the 8-2 and two Detroit Lions, normally what people want to think about when they think about Detroit Lions football is Barry Sanders. And, of course, Barry Sanders having a new documentary coming out, talking about his career and not much talking that was done by Barry during his playing time in Detroit. But he loves to see the success of this 8-2 and two Dan Campbell squad. Oh, yeah, and uh, they put a statue of him outside of Ford Field this year. Uh, you can you can pay homage to Barry whenever you're in Detroit. And he's been uh, a lot closer to the team than he has been in recent years. He doesn't typically go to a lot of games, uh, doesn't, doesn't, you know, associate so much with the Lions, but he's been a lot closer to the fold lately. Uh, and I think that's more of him trying to help this team get somewhere than him trying to, you know, like be part of something that's good. I, I, he's uh, great. By the way, uh, I got the pre-screen, the movie. It's really, really good. Even if you don't care about the Detroit Lions, if you're just a football fan in general, you're going to want to watch it. It's really good. Well, I know that what was not really good was Jared Goff until the end of the game, having thrown three <laughs> interceptions and just not being spectacular, being booed by his own fans and Justin Fields makes his return back to starting quarterback for Chicago. And I know he was able to find a way to, to ultimately get the win by Detroit. A lot of emotion shown in that locker room, but Jameson Williams and Jameer Gibbs, two former university of Alabama players have shown a lot of success for this Detroit offense and have made a huge difference in the way that golf functions. Oh, yeah, and uh, I was very proud of Jared Goff for shaking off some really bad throws yesterday. Uh, anytime you can score 17 points in the last three minutes of a game, uh, you're going to take that. Uh, but he, but the, the big thing was they won a game where they were not the better team, and they did not play anywhere close to their best football, and they still won. That's not something we're used to. Uh, and then the Bama guys that you brought up, especially Jameer Gibbs, He's become such a big part of why they're successful. His, his versatility, his ability to run inside, his ability to run outside. Uh, he got the, he got the touchdown yesterday on a simple flip play, where the Bears linebacker actually read the play perfectly. Um, and if Jameer wasn't lightning fast, would have had him. Uh, but uh, he just was was fast enough to get past it. That's that's the kind of thing we haven't had in Detroit uh, in a while. Probably not even since Barry. Uh, we had Reggie Bush for a little bit. He was, he was kind of like that. But uh, I'll tell you what, Jameer is excitement. J-Mo is getting better by the week. He, he's starting to get more in sync. He's starting to figure out how to use his speed a little bit differently. Uh, he's a guy that has learned not to do everything at the same speed. But, you know, obviously, that's, that's fun, phenomenal straight line speed. But uh, he's figuring out how to mix that up a little bit. And, and uh, it, 
it's a work in progress, but we're happy with what we're seeing. And by the way, he is already one of the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, and that's a testament to a guy that's, uh, you know, number 12 overall pick, missed a lot of time with injuries, and he is out there busting his butt um, blocking. That, that tells you what kind of guy he is. Yeah, Jeff, I've heard more than one person talk about the the speed game and how you have to adjust. You know, they're used to just lining up against the other guy, blowing past them, and it looks pretty easy. And that doesn't always translate into NFL where they're just as good as you are, you know, on the other side of the ball. And, and, and yeah, you've got to model your game a little bit differently to make it pay off. But um, when you were talking about you, you thought you were fixing to see – a Detroit of old, you know, when they were trailing, there was a stat that that came out that said uh, NFL teams going into uh, that were trailing by double digits with five minutes left in a game, uh, they broke finally broke a streak of they were 0 and 84 until Detroit made this spectacular comeback now and was able to finally make that even when it looks like they're trying to give the game away, they still found a way to win it and break that break that streak with with a win this weekend. And that's that's not something that we're used to. And, and the fact that they they were able to do it uh, by getting a, now now the Bears were complicit in their own defeat. Let's not let's not sugarcoat that. They they were a very poorly coached team. I thought their last offensive possession uh, after Detroit uh, got within one score uh, made it 26-21. The Bears basically just took a knee with like three minutes and two and a half minutes to go um, and gave them the ball back without even trying. Uh, that. That's part of it. Um, the Bears lost the game too, and I, I, I think that you know around these parts here in Michigan, I, that people are pretty uh, pretty aware of that. Uh, you know, the, the, they weren't going to beat the the Eagles or the Chiefs, the two teams you're going to see tonight. <laughs> that, that's not going to work against them, but it was good enough to handle the Bears, and that's you know resiliency. That's that's a big thing that Coach Dan Campbell talked about after the game. Jared Goff talked about it after the game. Panay Sewell talked about it after the game. Uh, it, it was a big theme of how resilient they were in coming back from a game where they basically subwalked through the first half, um, committed a lot of turnovers. They were they were negative three in the turnover department. Uh, they did not have the ball for even a third of the game. Chicago had the ball for over 40 minutes, and the Lions won. They are the first team in NFL history to ever do that, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Brian Branch has been impressive also for this Detroit Lions defense, being a huge defensive stopper, three tackles for loss. He had four solo tackles. It's just the Detroit Lions also being led by Aiden Hutchinson, the overall number one pick there defensively. They're really getting their money's worth out of Aiden Hutchinson also. Oh, yeah, and Brian Branch, is a, he's a treasure to watch play. He is so stinking smart. You just don't see him get out of position. He anticipates what's coming. He's fast. He's physical. He's smart. Uh, yesterday, they, they didn't start out using him as a spy on Justin Fields. They sort of morphed into that a little bit. He was great at it. Uh, and that's not something that the Lions have typically done before. So that's that's the fact of having a, a, a difference maker that they haven't had before. Uh, he, he's a great chess piece. I'll tell you what, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, he's a little divisive because, uh, well, first off, you know, y'all have y'all have uh, Alabama and Auburn. We have Michigan and Ohio State, and Michigan and Michigan State, and uh, Michigan being in between those two. There's a lot of people up here that didn't really like him going into the NFL, and he's he's winning those folks over. He'd gone four games in a row without a sack. That was not so good. The way he ended it, though, uh, getting the strip sack on Justin Fields, getting a safety, and, and putting the icing on the cake was. Uh, 
That was very gratifying and much needed um, as, as we, you know, look, this is, we are trying very hard as, as Lions fans to come together and put the college differences behind us. But as you all know, it's hard to do that sometimes. It really is. Jeff Risden, our guest this afternoon on the final drive, managing editor for the Lions Wire and the Draft Wire covering the Detroit Lions. And since you're up that way, you mentioned, of course, we have the Alabama-Auburn game. What we say down this way is the college football's greatest rivalry. I know people on the northern half of the country say, no, 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 it's Michigan-Ohio State. Want to get your thoughts and predictions on a Jim Harbaugh-less team for Michigan having a chance to host the Buckeyes in Ohio State. Who do you see coming away with this victory? You know, Michigan's lines are going to have to play really well. Their defensive line has been really good consistently. Their offensive line has been a little sporadic. If they can't stop JT Tuimolo and uh, and Jack Sawyer and and those guys, Steel Chambers coming after them, it's going to be tough because J.J. McCarthy is just not the kind of quarterback that, that can elevate his game and win a game for him. I think Michigan is the better team and they're more talented, but they're not the better coach team because their coach isn't there. And that's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I, I, I do think Michigan's going to squeak it out uh, because they do just have that much more talent and depth of talent. But uh, Ohio State's no joke either. They're, they're capable of beating anybody anywhere. And they can win in Ann Arbor. Uh, it's going to be uh, going to be quite a thing. I, I, I'm disappointed. I won't actually get to go to this year's edition of it. But uh, uh, yeah, the, the pageantry, the, the hatred, it's it's very real. Well, Jeff, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us this evening here on the final drive to to talk about the Detroit Lions and their success. Their eight and two start, trying to make it nine and two on a short work week, taking on the Green Bay Packers at eleven thirty a.m. Thanksgiving Day to get us all started on our Thanksgiving feast. And what's your favorite Thanksgiving meal? Is it the turkey, the dressing, the cranberry sauce? What is it? Sweet potato pie? What is it? So I am. I, I I love the turkey. Uh, I am all about the mashed potatoes and gravy. That's, okay. that's my thing. And and dressing is great too. I, I'm I'm always down for some pumpkin pie as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Around here, we've we've learned as Lions fans and people in Michigan know to eat after the game. You don't eat before <laughs> the game. Uh, some people do it at halftime, but uh, we're very happy to share our, our Lions uh, and thankfulness. Remember, this is the first time they're eating too since 1962. Yes. Nine yes. two. They haven't been there since 1953. A really, really long time ago. We're hoping that it happens. Love it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Look forward to staying in touch with you as the Detroit Lions continue their winning season and their winning ways. And we'll definitely keep an eye on this Thanksgiving Day treat that we're going to have. And look forward to talking to you as we prepare for the playoffs also. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Todd. Jeff Risden joining us this evening on the final drive. We'll be right back to put the finishing touches on this Let It Marinate Monday edition. Corey Bounty, along with my cohort today, John Porter, joining me this evening on the final drive. We'll be right back. This is 
Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of The Final Drive. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And again, we've had some great guests. Rodney Orr, Tider Insider, the founder of Tider Insider, joined us. Willie Anderson, Stu Meat from Viger High School, Auburn, and of course in the NFL tonight. He'll be the guest speaker at the Palmer Williams Group 7th Annual Iron Bowl Legends Gala at the Battle House Hotel. You can still walk up and get tickets for that event tonight. You don't want to miss all the Iron Bowl legends there. want to thank John Rachetti, Zach Blackerby, Locked On, Auburn, and Jeff Risden, who just joined us from the Lions Wire to talk about the Detroit Lions. And my partner today, John Porter, sitting in for Triple G, Nick Wiggins, who's gotten an early start. We know about the Auburn defeat to New Mexico State. We know about Alabama's huge win over Chattanooga. We know the Iron Bowl, the rivalry week has officially begun, whether it's the Egg Bowl, Oregon State, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Florida State, all great games. We mentioned the game changer that happened for the Seminoles with Jordan Travis' leg being broke or having lower limb issues there. We wish him the best in his recovery because he was well on his way to the NFL to make a lot of money, probably on his way to the Senior Bowl as well. But South Alabama, you're the voice of the Jaguars. People hear your voice at Hancock-Whitney Stadium each and every home game. Kane Womack and the Jags become bowl eligible with a 28-0 win over Marshall. Six and five, big time for the Jags. Was. I was hoping that uh, that six-win mark was going to come a little bit easier and a little bit quicker in the season. And with the with the hype that we had closing out last year and the way we started off this season, man, it was, it was looking great. It took a little time to get the sixth win, but happy for back-to-back bowl-eligible seasons for my Jags. First time ever South Alabama has been able to do that in their college football young career there and also tonight in the nfl we're getting a rematch of the super bowl only the ninth time in nfl history that we're getting a rematch of last year's super bowl so i'm looking forward to this matchup between kansas city and philadelphia now for selfish reasons I hope Patrick Mahomes does not have a great game, but this is my prediction for this year's Super Bowl rematch also. You think they're going to both return? I mean, I, I don't I don't see anybody else derailing them at this point. But uh, I do think Philly and Kansas City both have an opportunity to make it back to the Super Bowl. And that's that's I want to stay with my prediction there. I want to see Jalen Hurts have a great game tonight. A.J. Brown, he's been a dynamic wide receiver. The addition of Julio Jones, he may have one or two catches, but – I love to see Julio back as well. I do. I love, and I love the fanboy aspect that that Jalen gave it because he said, "Man, look, I watched I watched him on TV, okay, and and he he thought, you know, I I never thought I'd get a chance to be able to throw you some passes, and when somebody when the when a pairing like that happens, the fanboy in him showed up, and he was just like, dude, I'm I'm ecstatic. You're 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 one of my guys, you know, especially you're you're one of my Bama boys too. But you know, it's it's impressive. Ultimately, I'm going to go with the Eagles defeating Kansas City tonight. Like I said, I don't want Mahomes to have, because of our WNSP Taco Mama Fantasy League, Patrick Mahomes cannot have a great game tonight. So I'm definitely pulling for Philadelphia tonight. But it's been one of those wacky weeks in NFL and college football. As it's going to get even wackier here with this shakedown rivalry Saturday coming with Ohio State 
or Michigan coming away with their first loss? And will the committee tomorrow hold that against Florida State the same way the AP poll did? Drop them one spot, Florida State Seminoles. Washington bumps up a spot. You still have Washington being able to find a way to beat Oregon State in that horrible rainstorm that they had. And, and that's why there was a one-point spread in that game. But just great entire high school, great football there on Friday night, great football on Saturday, and great football last night, followed by the Super Bowl matchup tonight. I, you're right. I'm, I've been following the, the – I wish we had more more of our local guys for the high school sports that were still in it at this point. But Mary G. Montgomery, our strong 7A champion, trying to trying to make it all the way to the end. Man, one more game away from getting to the final Semi-finals in yep. 7A as there's only 16 teams. They have one less round than all the other ones who will be in third round of action. So we'll continue to try to get in touch with those coaches. And tomorrow on the show we have – Another great addition, Tyler Watts, Crimson Tide Sports Network, will be joining us. We'll talk to Joe Cook, who covers the Texas Longhorns inside Texas, an on-three affiliate there to see where the Longhorns, he feels, they're going to find out. Chris Gordy locked on SEC, and Chavis Furniture talking football Tuesday. Scott Hunter, Tracy Turner will have plenty to talk and discuss as we're in rivalry week in this state of Alabama. Doesn't get any bigger for us than the Alabama Auburn matchup. Depending, you can throw the records out of the window, folks, because we know what this game means not only to this state, but the rest of the country as well. Nathan, can't thank you enough for running the show behind the glass today. And next up, we'll have John Rachetti's. Miller Light golf report and show coming up. And John Porter, my man, thank you very much for sitting in today for Triple G as well. Much love. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, man. John Porter joining us. Nathaniel running the boards. And we want to thank everybody for your support of the final drive. And stay safe.